0: The plan in Milwaukee is to make early voting as accessible as possible. And part of the conversation with this is there is an underlying question that has never been answered, and that is how much do voters actually have to do to participate in the election? Welcome to Wisconsin in Focus. I'm Cole McNeely, General Manager of America's Talking Network. If you have not already, we ask that you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to this podcast so you don't miss any episodes of Wisconsin in Focus. Now, here's your host, Bruce Walker. Thank you, Cole,
1: and welcome to the Wisconsin in Focus podcast powered by the Center Square. I'm Bruce Walker, Midwest Regional Editor of the Center Square Newswire Service. Wisconsin in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts at americastalking.com. That's americastalking.com. We're recording this podcast on Thursday, May 26th. We're almost done with the month, and I'm talking to Ben Yount, who you may know from the movie with the great Michael Jackson theme song, but we all know and love as the Center Square's Wisconsin correspondent. Hello, Ben. The movie with the Michael Jackson theme song? Ben, you're always running here and there. (laughs) It was the sequel (laughs) to Willard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, where where your nightmares end, Willard begins with Bruce Davison and Ernest Borgnine. I hey, I've
0: I've I've heard of Ernest Borgnine. I I can't uh, can't really see uh, any of his movies. I just I, I can't remember ever seeing one. But uh, but no, we can go with that. Sure that that that'll be the reference to start the podcast. <laughs> well, there you
1: go. I mean, uh, Ernest Borgnine ends up uh, being devoured by a herd of trained rats.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And they, they made this into a full feature length movie. Oh yeah. Was, Uh, was, was Willard training the rats?
1: Is this, is this what I'm, I'm too. This is, this is what happened. He, he finds a uh, particularly feisty and intelligent rat in his mother's basement. And he ends up, Using this rat to raise an army of intelligent rats to do his bidding. Okay. I hey, it, look.
0: I I've, I've probably 70s, I've man. seen. I've seen worse premises for movies, so sure we can we we, we can we can go with that. That I if, if 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 this wasn't you know the Thursday before the Memorial Day weekend, and I wasn't already planning to slip out and get to the to the long holiday weekend, I probably could find some sort of trained army of rats, Wisconsin <laughs> in focus, Wisconsin government sort of tie-in. But uh, my my brain's too full with Gableman facts for that.
1: Well, before we move on to the Gableman facts that clutter your brain, there has to be a blockbuster still somewhere in Wisconsin where you could rent either the original Willard and the original Ben or the remake of Willard that was with uh, Crispin Glover from about uh, 20 years ago.
0: Blockbusters don't exist, uh, movies are now online. <laughs> Oh, I I don't I don't have either a VHS, but there is a DVD player somewhere in this home, but it's not hooked up to any television. So when it comes when 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 Willard or Ben comes to Disney Plus or Netflix or, or, or Hulu uh, or even Paramount Plus, which has a bunch of terrible movies, uh, I, I can watch it there. But Blockbuster blockbuster video hasn't existed in, in, in
1: a decade. Well, you know, maybe we could get uh, Cole to drop in some um, a music bed on this uh, Michael Jackson singing Ben. Ben, I thought that I movie was about oh, a dog. No, that was Benji. No. Oh, but enough of this tomfoolery, Ben. Let's move on to some heavy-duty Wisconsin stories. And you know, you just know way too much about what's happening with Milwaukee election boss who needs to stop getting out the boat, according to a prominent Republican. This is
0: one of these stories that it when you first get the, the news that Milwaukee's election commission director, Claire Woodall Vog wants to expand early in-person voting. It's OK. It, you know, this is this is what Milwaukee and, and Madison do. Their strategy is to get as many people voting as possible. Then you read that the 27 places that she wants to open early voting locations include a barbershop, a coffee shop and Pfizer forum. And, And like in many cities, nobody really lives down by the Bucks arena. It is surrounded by bars and there's some office buildings not far, but no one is going the Pfizer forum on their morning routine without passing a dozen places where they would traditionally vote, and the idea of taking voting to barber shops and or coffee shops has drawn laughs from many and and sighs from others. State Rep. Janelle Branchin, who runs the Assembly's committee on elections and campaigns, was 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 hot about this. On Wednesday, she said that look, it is not the job. Of the election managers to make sure people vote. It's the job of election managers to manage elections. It's the job of political campaigns to make sure that people vote. And, and this, is, this is how it has worked for years. Yes, you will have your local clerk or your local elections commission encourage people to vote. But the nuts and bolts of actually making sure that you get to the polls, that was the job of the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or your union or whatever political group is out there. Uh, but the plan in Milwaukee is to make early voting as accessible as possible. And part of the conversation with this is, and this is a conversation that a lot of states will have to have as we move more towards voting through the mail, as you have more of the idea of just mass mailing absentee ballots. There is an underlying question that has never been answered, and that is how much do voters actually have to do to participate in the election? How fair is it that they are now not having to do much? And and the pro the pro answer on that is, well, we want as many people to vote as, as we can, don't we? There's nothing wrong with making it as easy for people to vote as they possibly can. I've I've heard people suggest you know voting over your phone some somehow you know like American Idol call you one-eight hundred vote four for this person one-eight hundred vote five for that person but every time you take a step away from the in-person at the poll on election day you open up a bunch of questions what all Vogue says are planned to go down to the barber shop or to go to this Coffee shop or to go to Pfizer. Well, these wouldn't be permanent spots. These would be pop up early voting spots. So now all of a sudden, you're looking at a situation where there's early voting here today and early voting there tomorrow. We got to have staff come here and then go there. And what happens to the ballots? And what happens if somebody shows up with their ballot at the barbershop the day after there was early voting at the barbershop? Do the barbershop employees tell that guy, hey, sorry. Don't drop that here. Nope. You got to go 10 blocks over other side of town to to vote. And these are the election integrity, election security questions that Janelle Branchin has been asking for the better part of two years now. And she still doesn't have the answer. Now, this is going to be interesting because this is something that Milwaukee's election manager can do. There is No way that the state can step in and override Milwaukee's election plan. There's nothing that requires state permission here. And we're in May, the end of May. The primary is in August. The November election is, well, in November. So this is going to happen. And and this is going to be yet one more problem that Republican lawmakers in Madison, are going to have to solve when they come back next year, and if they have a Republican governor, they will probably solve this one as well and tighten up the rules for where early voting can be. Uh, you know, the 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 line from Woodall Vog and the Elections Commission in. Milwaukee is, look, we're going to track these ballots the way that we do all the time. There shouldn't be any problem with security. There shouldn't be any problem with making sure that that all of the rules, this would be no different than going to a school on that one day, setting up a poll, and then the next day after election day, it's it's no longer there. It's going to be interesting to see how this works out. And, and you know, Branchin's, Branchin's idea of it's up to election managers to manage the election. It's up to the parties to drive the get out the vote effort. She's not wrong. It's going to be one of these philosophical questions, though, like like so many questions about elections. How do you want to get people to vote? At some point, does a voter really have to want to vote or do you make it so easy that they can't avoid voting? And that's sort of the path that we're headed down. Oh, boy.
1: All right. Well, let's stick with politics. Let's stick with Milwaukee and uh, the RNC is getting some pushback for having its next convention in Milwaukee or its bid for the RNC convention, I guess, is what I should be saying
0: this this is a story that i'm probably going to update today because as as opposed to taking the vote and saying sure look we can separate out an event that's going to be worth 200 million dollars to the city of milwaukee leaders in the city of milwaukee yesterday wednesday voted to delay their votes on accepting the contract that could give them an opportunity at the rnc this comes of course after a bunch of progressive groups and some labor unions SEIU signed an open letter saying, do not accept the RNC here in Milwaukee, because, as they said, the Republican Party is the party of white supremacy, both in Wisconsin and across the nation. Now, this is not a surprise, as CJ Safer from the Institute for Reforming Government told us in our story over at the Center Square. This is this is on brand. This is what these people do. And he was bothered that The politics of this could get in the way of what should be a crowning moment for Milwaukee. Milwaukee has worked really hard to come into its own. We're an hour from Chicago. We're six hours, maybe a little bit more from Minneapolis. Milwaukee is not necessarily known as one of the titans of the Midwest. When you think of big Midwestern cities, it's Chicago, it's Detroit, it's Minneapolis, Indianapolis. St. Louis makes that list. Milwaukee often gets forgotten. And so there was this huge push. Milwaukee was going to get the 2020 Democratic National Convention. In fact, they were awarded that convention, but COVID canceled that convention. And Milwaukee's mayor at the time, Tom Barrett, Leaders across the state, including Republicans who were instrumental in landing that deal, because you know, when 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 that came up, you were transitioning out of the, the, the Walker era. You had a Republican legislature. There was broad support back in 2020 for the Democrats because this was going to put Milwaukee on the stage. All of a sudden, you were going to be able to know that Milwaukee is a real city like Miami, like Charlotte, like these other places that often host these conventions. Flash forward, now it's the Republicans and progressives who are just so upset about Republican Party politics are refusing to go along. In fact, the update is that the committee that was supposed to take this vote to set it up to be voted by the full city council has refused to vote. Now, they're saying they're pausing. But this comes as one of the more influential women in Milwaukee, Jocasta Zamoripa, has demanded $6 million from the RNC. She doesn't want it for extra police. She doesn't want it for, for road work. She doesn't want it to cover the costs of hosting the RNC. She wants it for housing and workforce development and higher education. And it's essentially a shakedown. It's it's essentially the Milwaukee City Council and and progressives and Democrats who make up the city council saying, um, I think we want more from this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your convention is neat. Sure, you're going to bring $200 million in economic activity. Sure, you're going to fill up our restaurants and our hotels, and our bars. Sure, you're going to bring the, 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 the world's eye to Milwaukee, but... Uh, we, we, we want something of it. that's worth something to us. So you better pay. And as you would expect, this is not how convention planning works. And so if Republicans don't get an answer from Milwaukee by the end of next week, they're just going to walk away. And Nashville, which is a city on the rise, all of a sudden becomes the home of the 2024 Republican National Convention. And Milwaukee gets nothing. And I guess the progressives who don't want The uh, who don't want the convention to come to Milwaukee will then be happy. (laughs) Um,
1: There's got to be a a mother-in-law joke in there somewhere, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) we'll we'll we'll, uh, move along, as they say. Ben and uh, okay, we've got some school related issues that you've discussed this week. And uh, those stories seem to be trending quite well. There's there's two of them, as a matter of fact. And one is uh, about the middle schoolers who um, were accused of misgendering in Keel schools. And they actually have a defense team put together now. Mm-hmm. And another one is a school counselor with a potty mouth, it must be acknowledged, <laughs> who is under state investigation for perhaps being on the wrong side of the transgender agenda. I, we will, we will talk
0: a lot about the 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 teacher that used the f word that so offended the pearl clutchers at DPI apparently they've never heard that word apparently in public schools in Wisconsin no one has ever used the the f word before but the this this story out of keel and you got to remember keel is a i, tiny I think there's count. some videos on youtube
1: of, of yeah. samuel jackson so uh <laughs> <laughs> I they, they, they apparently they have never watched a Tarantino movie. No, no. They, right. They, yeah, they, they n- 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 the, the word is diagrammed in almost every other <laughs> sentence. <laughs> this
0: story out of Kiel continues to get interesting because as we wrote it uh, earlier in the week that there there are these three eighth grade boys. And again, in eighth grade, you're 13, 14 years old they refuse to use the they, them pronouns. It's not as if they were calling this other student a, a, a boy or a girl. They, according to the mom, just simply refused to be bullied into using they, them. One of the students said, look, you, you stop yelling at us. You can't force us to use these words. That's not appropriate. And then, of course, the school got in school, defends themselves saying, look, they've got to look into every case of bullying. They've got to look into every case of sexual harassment, whether this is bullying. Mm, whether this is sexual harassment is a clearly undefined, actual legal issue. The school district says Title IX, which was, ironically enough, created to protect women in women's sports to make sure that you know women's sports got at least some kind of parity on the men's side, uh, they're now saying Title IX protects. People for their sexual identity, pick people for their gender. That's never been tested by the court. The Biden administration agrees, by the way, with this school. And so you you have this sort of push on the left. There were some bomb threats up in Keel schools this week. So much so that the city's police department emptied out the schools on Monday, just said all kids go home and they searched every single building they looked through everything that they could there was no bomb but these threats when stories like this become national you get unhinged angry people who do dumb things like call up a school in you know eastern wisconsin and say we're going to blow you up if you don't stop with this woke nonsense Uh, One of the moms of one of the boys who's under investigation this week told a TV station up in Green Bay that she appreciates the support that her son has got. And there has been an outpouring of support for these boys. But she said, you got to stop making the threats because, one, it hurts all kids in the school district. And two, this is not the kind of attention that they want. Uh, This is this is headed for a court. You know, this this is this is one of the things that the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty has really stepped up and started to do. Will has always been a a law firm. But they did a lot of think tanky stuff years ago. And now, as you have seen positions of the state without trying to make it sound very communist or, or, or Chinese, uh, positions of the state, when you see it, you know, avenues of state government or local government starting to step over lines that had never been stepped over before, Will has really become the defender of what a lot of people say is just plain common sense. And and that's that brings us to the potty-mouthed teacher from Milwaukee. This is an a elementary school counselor and a Again, that's a really important part of this story because she's under investigation, not just for saying the F word a couple of times in public on a public street at a political rally on her day off where she's doing nothing that represents her school or her class. She's just a regular average citizen expressing her First Amendment rights. But DPI is so offended that she used the F word. This is an elementary school counselor who said that she was not going to buy into the gender identity ideology. And these are kids who elementary schools between first grade and sixth grade. So we're talking, what, eight years old, seven years old, all the way up to 12 or so. I mean, this is these are very, very young kids that DPI, the Department of Public Instruction, Seems to be okay with talking about sex and gender, when it should be ABC, one, two, three, the, the basics of math, reading, school. You know, learn, learning how to sit in a classroom all day and, and do your homework. And so DPI sent this teacher, who whose name is Marissa Darling, with an H at the end. Which when you had, to, I had to type that out. I had to make sure I got the H every single time. Sent her a yeah, letter when I, back. When, in I, when I read it,
1: I, I actually had to Google the name to make sure that. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it looks like you misspelled it correctly. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, it does. These these are the these are the first world problems of writers. But uh, the, the state <laughs> sent her a letter back at the end of April and said, "Look, it's been brought to our attention that y- you may have conducted or, or engaged in immoral conduct." And they never said what that immoral conduct was. Was was it that she used the f word, or, or or was it that she stood up and said that she opposes gender ideology? and and, and in, in in schools in Wisconsin and in schools across the country, that's probably the bigger sin. I, I've been to plenty of teacher strikes in my life. I've been to plenty of of times where teachers have been demanding that they get paid more. And let me tell you, they know the f word. Uh, i've've I've heard it. i've I've heard it in class. i've I've certainly heard it uh, at high school football games. But uh, this is one and, of these ones.
1: And, and- well, we work in newsrooms for the better oh. part of our adult lives. And uh, gone to the local watering hole after deadline. And I I can assure you that I have heard that word once or
0: twice. One of my favorite journalism stories was that uh, someone was talking about the most profane places that they'd ever been, the the place where they heard the most curse words. And it was a Marine Corps barracks and a newsroom five minutes before deadline. Because those, those, <laughs> apparently just, the F word just flies freely, and as being in a newsroom on deadline, I can absolutely tell you that we do our part. But <laughs> Will has stepped up for this teacher and sent back a letter to to DPI saying, "You can't do this, guys. You, you can't punish someone for what is constitutionally protected free speech. You may not agree with what this teacher has said, but you have in this country a right to stand on a street corner." and express your political views no matter how unpopular they are and will is promising to sue the state if the state insists that it is going to go forward and potentially strip away this teacher's education license and and darling for her part the the the, the teacher for her part said she's not going to do it she's she is not going to as, as she puts it i'm not going to recant under threat from the state and so this is setting up yet another one of these classroom culture war battles and i i i would really be interested to hear the defense of well we we have to strip away her teaching license because she used the f word because you know you know well and good that dpi is never going to admit that they are trying to punish this teacher or intimidate this teacher or something to this teacher for disobeying the the orders the marching orders on gender ideology a teacher standing up and saying no not in my school not for my students not in my classroom that's not allowed in public education, at least not in Wisconsin, according to the people who run public education in the state of Wisconsin.
1: Well, to be somewhat fair, uh, her her quote, and I'll uh, delete the expletives here. I oppose gender ideology ever entering the walls of my school building over my dead body. Will my students be exposed to the heart of gender identity ideology? Not a single one of my students under my watch will ever, ever transition socially and sure as hell, not medically. So she's saying that if there were a school policy instituted, she would not enforce it. So I don't know. You, you can disagree if, if you want. To, and I'm sort of kind of hoping you do, because I'd like to I'd like to hear what you might have to say about
0: that. This is one of the issues of selective enforcement that I don't remember seeing a letter from the state to the teacher in Middleton, which is the Madison area, who put on a full drag show for the student talent show. I don't remember seeing any threats from the Department of Public Instruction to the many teachers in many of the the liberal school districts here in the state who talk about supporting gender ideology secretly the state of wisconsin didn't do anything when the president of the school board in eau claire stood by a school policy that says we're going to keep gender transition secret from parents because parents have to earn the right to know what's going on with their children there was a, a a case again argued by will that challenged Madison's policy of secret gender changes and secret name changes and <coughs> excuse me DPI has not gotten involved on the side of parents DPI has not said well if it is if it is immoral to oppose gender ideology then it's immoral to this is one of the selective enforcement problems and again this is why if if what if what DPI is hanging their hat on is the foul language then okay i mean sure you you can you can go ahead and try and make that argument but parents aren't aren't stupid and 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 this has been the the mommy revolution or this has been the focus of of many local races what is going on in schools and it's clear that DPI sides with school districts that talk about gender transition, that 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 make the idea of of talking about gender fluidity and and in times graphic sex with children, DPI is okay with that. And so this is not about a teacher saying I won't let you do this in my school. This Milwaukee Public Schools aren't the ones who are coming and saying all right, here's the policy, you must enforce it. This is the Department of Public Instruction threatening to take her away her state permission slip to work, which. We could have a whole conversation about, uh, you know, occupational licensing off of this, but you know, this is this is clearly DPI taking sides in the conversation over gender and school and sex and teachers and lesson plans, and DPI is clearly siding against people who oppose the the gender ideology that has become now. A focal point of education. We're not talking about state report cards, Bruce. We're not talking about test scores. We're not talking about graduation rates. It is time to graduate here in Wisconsin. And we're not talking about graduation rates. We're talking about whether or not teachers. And again, this is an elementary school counselor who is saying that she's not going to let a fourth grader decide that she wants to have puberty blockers or go get some sort of life altering surgery as a child. You know, saying that out loud now means that the state of Wisconsin is going to come and investigate you. Fair
1: enough. I believe that's about all the time we have for today for this episode of Wisconsin in Focus. I'd like to thank Ben Yount for all of his news insights. You can read all of the Center Square stories at the centersquare.com. That's the centersquare.com. And you can listen to all Center Square podcasts at America's Talking.com. America's talking dot com. I'm Bruce Walker, Midwest Regional Editor for the Center Square, Ben, the Attack Rat, and I will be back next week.